Today's a little different. Today's just not the same as it always was. And I had this plan when we were anticipating that this was going to be our final Sunday here. We had a thought of what wanted to do, and it's, it's modified over time. And I think that's good because God speaks into these things. And so we had a commitment. And, well, I guess sometimes I use that as the royal we. I like to talk for other people sometimes. So instead, I'm going to tell you about my commitment. I had a commitment when, when we started this into one thing that we would live honestly in front of people, that there are parts and there are times when you'd say, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you a right answer. And I'd like to tell you that the right answer is, is the way that I feel all the time. But we just decided that we were going to live honestly in front of people. So Jim graciously exposed some of my honesty, that this is where we live. And what I wanted to have today was a chance for you to hear more of the story and how it developed. And so um, have you ever had a longing inside you? Uh, a longing for something that you're not at now, something, a, a direction that you're going, um, and you thought that this longing was yours. It's just, it's just my choice. It's just something that's in me. It's my personality. It's just what I, what I see, what's my dream for myself. And then looking back over time, you were able to say that that, that longing was planted by God, that it, it didn't just pop up on my own. It wasn't just something that I came up with. There was a time, um, October, I can remember, October 2009, my youngest son, Griffin, had just been born. And um, I was working at another church, and I had the sense that this longing in me grew. And it was, it was very personal. And I had the, the sense that, what, that I wanted to change in me. Maybe you've had that kind of a feeling that, that you, you don't want to just be what you are. And I had this almost palpable longing for my own faith story. And I'd realized at that point that I'd been in ministry probably for about 15 years. And before that, I had worked at Christian camps and I had gone to Bible school and I had done things and what I was really longing for at this point, for some reason it came up, it was no longer to tell you a story about somebody else's story. I wanted to be able to tell my own story, that this is what happened. And I realized that the majority of my faith story was when I looked back on something and retroactively said, well, it went well, therefore I must have had faith. And a very naive kind of view. And I thought, what I long for is in advance of, when I don't know how, when I can't see what it looks like, I want a story that, that shows that God showed up in my life. That was my story. That's what I wanted. And I'm going, I don't think that's particularly mine because that seems all about risk, right? And generally what I would like is to have a life that's smooth and even and everything goes well, always up and to the right. Right. You're right. Um, that's, that's the way we tell the story. 
that things just got better. And that's what we want to tell the story about our, uh, our holiness journey, our, our journey towards sanctification. It just kept getting better. I just kept getting better. I was growing more and more holy, closer and closer to God. My worries, they dropped away. The consequences of my actions, they were behind me because I was becoming closer to God. In January... I was teaching a series, and it was a series that I was interested in for me, and sometimes you have a series that you think, well, I think this is a good thing for people to learn, and sometimes you go, I'm going to teach them what I think I'm going to learn, right? And so that's what this was. It was called Fearless, and I was going through stories of different, um, different characters, different life stories that came out, and there was the one episode that stuck out in my mind more than anything else was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter 3, if you don't know where it is. Daniel chapter 3, we have uh, a group, small group of three teenagers, probably about, let's just say about 17 years old. 17 years old. These guys had come from a royal family or the upper crust and they were put into a whole different circumstance. They were pushed into this situation where it was uh, worship the idol that was put before them. And, 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 the, and the story wasn't, or we'll make fun of you. The story was, worship the idol that we put in front of you, or we will kill you. And, and we're going to kill you in, in a fairly gruesome, upfront, very personal way, in front of everyone. We're going to throw you into a burning furnace. And when I hear it as a Bible story, I always skip to, I know how this goes, and I know where this is heading, and I don't want to actually imagine myself in those circumstances. And you're probably the same. We don't want to actually have to think of what I would do, but these guys said, I know what I will do. And they got to the place where, where it, the, the, the music plays, and when the music plays, that's your cue. That's when you start to worship. So we had our, the band. So they would have their band came out and they played all their instruments. That's the cue now that everyone as a nation bows down before this idol. And they didn't do it. And like everyone around them, you got to figure, it's like pull them down. Like even if you don't want to do it, don't be near me when you're not doing it. I don't want to be in trouble by association. And they stood up. And so the king confronts them. And their response Maybe you already know the response. Maybe it's jumping into your head, but the response has never, ever left my head. And that Sunday when I was preaching, this is an experience if you've never preached before, you have to understand how this works. There is the sermon that is prepared. There is the sermon that is preached. They are not the same. There's the sermon that you hear, and that's individual to each of you. Every one of you hears things in a different way. But then there's the sermon that the preacher hears. I have in my mind what is prepared. I have in my mind delivery. And then there's the message that I'm receiving back. My goodness. That day, I don't know if anybody heard anything. I don't know if they walked out and said, worst thing I've ever been to in my life. But for me, there was a moment and it was so important. 
embedded there, stamped on my conscience. The words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego speaking back to the king who has the power in that moment of life and death, no appeal. If we say no, then we go straight to the fire. And they looked at the king and they said, go ahead. My God can save me. My God will My God will save me. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. In that moment, they had such clarity at such a young age. And they were put into the fire. That's how the story goes. God God didn't sweep in and say, oh, perfect. No fire for you. No, they had to walk there full of anticipation of what was about to happen. They had to stand on the edge thinking maybe I could still turn back. And then they 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 were put in. And while they were there, they discovered that there was another in the fire. There weren't three, there were four. People from the outside could see that there were four people inside that fire. And they came out unburnt. They came out unsinged. They didn't even smell like smoke. And if any of you have ever sat around a campfire, that alone is the miracle. They came out. And I had this sense as I'm getting this, that this is what I long for. I really hope it's not the fire. But I want a story where I can say that my God showed up, that my God intervened, that I did what I knew what was right, and I wasn't too scared to go forward. And he showed up. So that's January. By April of that year, we'd come to the place that I needed to move to another place and I, and, and I, and I didn't have another place to go, but it was clear that I, I, I couldn't stay. I believed that God was calling me somewhere else, but I didn't know where, which is not a great thing. People don't like to hear that stuff. Everybody wants to know what the plan is and tell me all the details, right? But I was, I was pretty sure that's what I'm supposed to do. And so that's how my story, my next story goes that by June of that year, now 2010, we'd started meeting together, a, a very small group of us in a living room, and we would have uh, supper together, and we would have something church-like together. And that was the dawn, that was, uh, we didn't know, that was the beginning of Into One Community Church, Into One Fellowship at that time. We started meeting and we gathered together and we didn't have a name and we didn't have an identity and we didn't have a list of things that we were going to do, but we had some people who were interested in trying to create what God 
seem to be putting on our hearts. And so the, the story goes for me, some of you have already heard this, that how these things came together. I, uh, I was in, in the van driving one day and I was listening. We, we'd come to the place where we wanted to move ahead. We're going to do something, right? We need to name it. You can't keep calling it the thing, right? We got we to gotta have some sort of a name. And we had written down pages and pages of possible names and, you know, crossing some off, but this was the progression. And I was... Um, driving along, and I, I had a name that I kind of liked. I had that one circled, but nothing's settled yet. And I, I hear a song that I've heard a thousand times. I love the song, beautiful song, never heard it like I heard it that day. And I had to pull over to the side of the road because I was weeping. For those of you who don't know me, that's one of my giftings. <laughs> I get overwhelmed. I, 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 I'm a passionate kind of person, and, and, it, and it comes upon me. But this was a moment of connection. This was a moment of recognition. And in it, I heard the same words that I had circled on my sheet. This is what I think the name of the church should be. Not really knowing how we ever came to it. It sort of arrived, but here was my first piece of affirmation. And so if you know the band U2, then you've, you've probably heard one of their most famous songs. Says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And as I was hearing that song from the beginning, I'm, I'm already connecting and going, this is where I am. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I am longing God. I'm longing for a place that I can give myself fully to, that I can be part of, that I can risk with and I can risk for. Help me. And then we get to like the second verse. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. I'm going, God, that's me. And then he sings, I believe in the kingdom come. Every time. And I know it won't mean the same thing for you, which is so frustrating. Why don't you feel... Why don't you feel God in this moment like I do? I believe in the kingdom come when all the colors will bleed into one. And that's when I had to pull over. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. But God, that's it. That's what I want. That's what I long for. That's what I'm passionate about. That's what I want to be a part of. That's what I want to create. And that image, it just stuck and it took off and it's grown since then. I loved it. I wanted that to be true. (sighs) Then a little later, I was reading through um, a Bible. The Bible, uh, you've heard of the Bible, right? The New Living Translation, the first edition of the New Living Translation, when it first came out, I was at another church and one of the local bookstores in town said, hey, Graham, I think that you would really appreciate this new translation. I want you to have the first copy that we have in the store. It wasn't autographed, but it was still good. (laughs) Bible, it wasn't autographed. Yeah, okay. Tough crowd. So I, I'm reading it, and, and, I, and I've gone through it before, but I'm, I'm in John chapter 17, and I'm reading it. For those of you who don't know, John chapter 17 is what we call the high priestly prayer. It's when Jesus 
um, sort of gets quoted in his longest single section of this is Jesus speaking. This is his heart kind of thing as he pours it out. And he's praying to God and we get this recorded version of what he longs for. And so if we jump in, I'll just take you to verse 20. And he says, not for these only do I pray, but for those also who believe in me through their word, through their testimony, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they, and that they is, that they is us, in, ca- in case you, lo- you lose your, your pronouns and stuff, the they that he's talking about there is us, that they may uh, also be one in us, that the world would, that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected into one, that the world may know that you sent me and and loved them even as you loved me. And then I had to stop again because I was not anticipating of coming across that. This story about the, the, the oneness, the unity, the, the being drawn together. And then it struck me that what we were hearing, not just the words that I liked, that I had circled, that I thought were important, but here is the sense that this is the longing of Jesus, the one that I'm called to follow, my master. This is what he was praying. This is what he wants. And then it struck me that we could, we could be in part the start of or the portion of answering the prayer that Jesus prayed himself, his longing on earth, God, my Father, make this true. Make them into one. Draw them together. And I go, oh my goodness, this is not just me. This is something beyond me. And then it resonated that the point of that was all that the world may know. Not that I would know. God loves me. He loves me with a fierce passionate, forgiving, unending love that that is indescribable is, is the same love that he has for you. But as much as he loves you and as much as he cares for you, it's not you by yourself. This is what the world needs to know, that the world may know that they are loved. That all the shame that they feel and all that, that sort of distance, that, that sense of judgment that God is angry at them and, and that they're, they're horrible people and that they can never come into church because the feeling of the Christians that were there let them know that they were horrible and they said, I already know that I'm horrible. I don't need you to tell me I came here because I know. This love that the world may know is our mission. It's our calling that the world may know that we have to be the ones who tell this story. We have always from the very beginning, even in Genesis, the story starts that we were blessed so that we would be a blessing. Not so that we would be blessed. Not so that we would be able to take photos of our blessing and show them to people and write on our Instagram, hashtag blessed. 
We're always blessed so that we would be a blessing. Always blessed so that somebody else would benefit because of what God has done in us and what God is doing through us. That was always supposed to be the point. Oh, God, this is what I want to come to life. This is what I want to exist. And so we started to talk and more people have gathered around in this time. And we come up with this notion that we want to describe what we're doing as the road trip. And so when we describe this is what we believe, this is what we long for as a church, this is sort of our guiding statement. At Into One, we say, on this road trip, in earnest pursuit of Christ, we are being brought together into one. We have hope and freedom in the love of Jesus. And one of the passages that I've always loved but took on special new meaning again as this, this process is bubbling up inside me is John 1.14. If you're from Into One, you have heard me talk about this verse or reference it so many times, but you need to hear it because it's a great Christmas verse as well. And we're actually going to talk about it when we start our series, Unexpected Gift, as we count down to Christmas. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling, he camped with us, he tabernacled, he set up his tent in our neighborhood, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, this is the part that I love so much, full of grace and truth. This is the way God works. And so right, right in the early section, before there was an into one, just as we're, we're planning, we're starting, we're thinking about this and uh, sort of committed to it. And as we committed, we committed without the proper planning that people are always supposed to have. We committed to the idea of pursuing into one with no income, with, with no alternate plan. The first 16 months of into one I took no money from the church. There were some expenses, but that was it. And we had in this time, I told you that my son was born in October 2009. And we got a statement from the CRA. I don't have a good relationship with the CRA. I fear them. Okay? Um, and I got a letter that said, um, here, here are your kids. We're just verifying your benefits for this year. And I look at it and I go, well, there's Merlin and there's Griffin. Uh-oh, we're missing number two son. Finley's not on the list. I see gulag. I see prison. That, that's what I see. They, oh, no, I've got to tell them that they, they think I've lied to them. And so I, I send the paperwork in, and they send it back, and, and, I, and I make a call, and I go, I've got to tell you, something's gone horribly wrong. I'm really, really so, so, so sorry. Um, I have another son. I don't know how he's not listed on here, but I, I need to make sure that he's put on here. And the lady said, oh, are you, are you filing for back payment? And I'm going, no, 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 no. I'm not going to complain. I'm not a troublemaker. I just want to get it corrected. What do I have to do? The only way you can register him is to um, register for back payment. I went, so all of the child payments that I haven't received, you're saying that I can get them all at once. Yes, you just have to do this paperwork. And so I start the paperwork. It's government paperwork. So it's a multi-stage process. And we get to going this. And so um, it comes, and then we have an anticipation. And I'm not... I was an arts student. I took fine art, and then I went into theology. My math skills are not so 
great. And so I, I had this thought, this is what we're going to get. And so I met up, I was camping on a, on a weekend, and I saw a missionary, an international worker that I had met at one of my previous churches, and we really respected them. And they're back in there, why are you at home? And you go, oh yeah, we, we've been really sick, really sick, and so we can't work anymore. We're back here, and yeah, things are really tight. We're living in this basement, and we go, oh my goodness, Cheryl, can we, can we allow this to happen? And you go, no, we got to be able to do something. That money, we have money coming from the government. Why don't we give part of that to them? Perfect idea. So we do it. We don't have the money from the government yet, but we decide it's going to come. We write a check for one-third of the amount that we are anticipating getting back. And then we send it off. Time goes by. Another month passes. I told you we're dealing with the government, so no money has come in yet. Uh, and, and, and we come across another family that we really respect. He just lost his job. Oh my goodness, they've got a bunch of kids. How are they going to survive? What are they going to be able to do? We've got that money coming from the government. We were already prepared to live without it. It was a gift to us. Why don't we recognize that it's a gift right up front? So we agree, and we will send the rest of the money to this family. So we write the check. Haven't gotten any money from the government yet. We write the check, okay? This is August now. And then in October, don't ask me why things take so long. I get a bank statement, and I'm sitting there reading it. I told you that I get emotional. So I'm reading it, and, and, and I start, and I just... I start to cry again. And Cheryl goes, oh, geez, this is what we were expecting. Things have gone horribly wrong. That's what the bank statements are for, to tell you that things have gone horribly wrong. And, and what we found out, she, tell me, tell me, tell me. And I go, look at this. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. Here on the statement of registry that, that tells you the date that things went into the account. Here is a transaction that says the first check that I wrote in July got cashed. I don't remember what date, but it's this date. Let's just say the 10th. And look at that, the, the check that we wrote in August for that other family got, got cashed on the 10th of this month. Why is it so long? How did both of these take so long? What else happened on the 10th? The amount came in from the government that we anticipated that would cover both those checks on the same day. And then I looked down because there was another transaction that was also from the government. And my math skills were so bad that I, that I found out that the actual amount that we were owed was three times the amount that I thought. So in writing these checks in faith without an income, I got to have this next check that came in that covered the whole thing and left me with a third more. I said to people all the time, God will bless you, but it's not like he's going to give you a suitcase full of money. So I met a man, and he, and he said, I want to meet with you and, and talk. And so I go with him, and I think he wants to talk to me about his daughter because I was a youth pastor, and we, we got we to fix her up, right? We gotta, what, what can we do to tinker to make her, to make her work properly? Um, and that's not the way the conversation goes at all. He goes, I need to, uh, I need to tell you I want to be involved um, with God again. I, I, I've sort of drifted. And I made God a promise years ago that I haven't fulfilled. Will you help me keep the promise that I made to God? And I go, okay, sure. Uh, you want a blessing? Or like, what, what is it that you need right now? And he goes, no, no, no. I withheld. And I need to fix that. I've withheld from God. And I want you. And I go, oh, like you want to you wanna give to a church? He goes, no, no, no. no. I want to give to you. And I go, okay. Um, I guess, Sure. He goes, well, I, I can't give it to you all at once. It's now December. I can't, I can't give it to you all at once. It would be okay if I gave you some in December and some in uh, January. So we split the year. And I go, yeah, sure, whatever you need to do. And then, not knowing, I received the first check. The first check is for $11,000. 
And I get a second one, the exact same amount in January for another $11,000. These are not things that I prayed for. I didn't ask for. God, don't. God was opening a door. God opened doors. That's the story of Into One at the very beginning, that God opens a door, that he puts it up. And it got into my head then that one of the things that I long for most is that we would go forward together, eyes up. I use that phrase because what I mean by that is that we wouldn't, we wouldn't go forward with the idea that you're, you're a lousy, vile sinner. But if you, if you do enough that's good, that God might like you. He might tolerate you. He might even give you something good. That was not going to be the story. That we go forward, that we serve God, that we trust in him, we believe in him because that is the end in itself. He is the end by himself. It is just Jesus. Whatever happens, it's all ancillary. It's all extra. But that we go forward, that we long to behave in a way that would honor God. That we long to have the love of Christ so deeply within us that it comes out of us in all these different ways where we are kind, we are compassionate, we are merciful, we are full of hope, we are generous. All of these things come not because somebody wagged their finger at you, but because you longed for that connection with Jesus. That you longed for the love of Christ to be so full in you that you couldn't keep it all in that the world may know. And that, that was the, the story that we've gone forward. And so the, the, the next passage that really stuck out to me that was really important is, um, maybe, maybe you know where this one comes from, uh, the, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the people in Rome. He hadn't been to Rome yet, but he was, he was trying to go to Rome, and so he wanted them to get to know him first. And so he wrote this letter. He says, you, you, you want to know what I'm like, who I am? Let me tell you a little bit about myself. And then we have what we call the book of Romans. But in Romans chapter 12, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, not just not just singing a song, not even learning a new song, but the way that we worship God is by uh, offering up our bodies, the, the, the whole of us, our, our entirety. It's not like just my hand, it's my body. It's, it's like the whole thing. It's all of me. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the number of times in my life I've had a question and people say, what do you think God's will is for my life? What do you think I should do here? What's the right answer? How do I go forward? If you want to know that, the way that you get to know that is by this true and pleasing act of worship that you would be then transformed by your mind, in your mind, that it's been renewed. And in that you discover, you find God's will for you. So this is the way we were gonna go forward, that we would have to be renewed in our mind, that we would have to be transformed. And as we do that, as you gather together, you know, you know what it's like to be around people. People are some of the best people you've ever met in your life. People are some of the worst people you've ever met in your life. And it's hard, and sometimes we butt up against each other. We don't see eye to eye. Sometimes, sometimes we smell. Sometimes we say things that we shouldn't have said. Sometimes we do something. We didn't see what we were doing. Sometimes we do stuff, and we did see what we were doing. So there's going to have to be a way that we would have to be, learn how to be together. And, and that's where Peter came in. And Peter had been <laughs> the guy who said things he, should, he shouldn't have said. Peter probably smelled a fair amount of time like he shouldn't have smelled, but he, like, how, how are we going to get together? And so he wrote because people wanted to know what Peter had to say about all kinds of things. So he wrote some of this stuff down and he says, above all, love each other deeply 
Because love covers over a multitude of sins. And what, what I've discovered is that love covers over those sins in advance. It's not just, how will I ever be able to forgive? It's that I have been given the gift when I love well that I didn't feel the offense. I didn't even know that I could have been outraged by this. Because the love was in our relationship, I just experienced love and I overlook it for you because I love you. And this is the way it happens in our families most of the time. You know, sometimes we're very good at finding those, those details, but in general, we just overlook. And this was going to be the way that the love of God that Jesus was all about, that was going to bring us together, that was going to do this for us, that was going to transform us, which was the message that the whole world needed to know, that love was going to indwell us and infuse us. And then when we experienced it, it would cover over a multitude of sins. We decided in advance that relationships were going to be uh, super important. That was going to help us get through the offenses. And then we had this idea that what we, what we wanted to do is, as we were eyes up, we wanted to keep pointing to Jesus because John had also written about this. This is a quote from Jesus where he says, And I, uh, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an actual part of that when he goes up on the cross. There's a symbolic part of that. There's a theological part. But the point was that as we continue to point to Jesus, he would draw people to himself. This, this goal, this vision of becoming into one, that the world may know that God loves them was going to be um, come to fruition by continually pointing at Jesus. And so that's why we started to do that. That's part of my story. I want to tell you part of your story. And if you're here today, this is going to be part of your story. It's going to overlap with you a little bit. We'd been meeting at 19 on the park for years. We knew that that was going to be a complication in time. We just didn't know how that was going to complicate or what else we would do. And I got a phone call from a guy and the, the quick version of the story is basically that it came down to, um, would you like to take our building? That's the fast version. I want to tell you the whole version, but you don't want to hear the whole version right now. Um, would you take our building? And so then we had this, this, this next set of questions was, yes. Well, actually, no, the first part was not really. Um, your building's kind of old. It changes our whole groove, like our whole thing. The whole mood that we have that was at 19 on the park, it's going to be different. We said, okay, maybe that, could be, maybe that could be all right. But there's no way on earth we can afford it. There's no way on earth that we can afford to do what needs to be done to that building because part of the reason they're giving to us is because it's falling apart. We're going to have to do brickwork, and we're going to have to do the roof, and we're going to soft its fascia, windows, wiring, all this stuff. How will we ever afford it? And Jim hinted at a little bit of this story. What are we going to do? And so we, we had one service in there, and, and we asked into one, folks, here it is. Do you want it? If you want it, it's going to cost us. And by us, I mean you. It's going to cost you. Do you want it? Overwhelming responses. This is what we must do. God is opening this door for us. When the door opens, we must learn how to walk through. The obedience that we have comes from following God and trusting him in that process. And so we walk through. And, and now, you, you, many of you will have a hard time even remembering what it was like to meet it into one. I mean, at uh, Nights in the Park, they just all blur together for me. All those numbers and letters. <laughs> and we, we have this home. We have this place that's called ours. And the, the simple ability to put up a sign changed this. We've had so many, and I don't mean one or two, so many times we've had a story of someone who says, I was just walking by. I saw your sign. I thought I should go in. Who does that? 
God was working on our behalf. He was opening a door for us. And as we've been there, we have learned that there are complications in being in a building. There are additional expenses. There are additional things that you have to to deal with. But the, the message that we have learned, this is true in your life and this is true in the life of our community, that the way of Christianity is not avoiding We don't avoid pain. We don't avoid sadness. We don't get to dodge free of it. Because of the love of Christ that infuses us, it empowers us, and so that the mission is always that we would overcome, we would bear up under, and we would come through. And our testimony is always to be able to say, look what we overcame. Look what we bared up under. And look what we have come through. And that was going to be our story. And we, we began, uh, we picked up Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 16, as, as part of this manifestation of what we would be and how it would show. And it's the, Let your light shine before people, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven, that the way we live matters, the way we interact matters, our relationships matter so much because our goal, our purpose, our mission is that the world may know that Jesus loves them, that God sent his son, Jesus, who would die for them, that his love for them is so self-sacrificing. This is what he wants them to know. Our lives make a difference in how we display that. And so it became something that we had to be um, engaged with as well. This is part of the living honestly in front of people that we took up Paul when he, when he wrote to uh, the, the people in Corinth. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And the initial response is, but I don't want people to follow me because I I drop the ball. I mess things up. I say things I wish I didn't say. I do things I wish I didn't do. But the mission for us to go forward is to tell people around us, follow me as I follow Christ. Come on, join this road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus. And that was what the longing was about. We get to the end of Matthew where Jesus is kind of saying goodbye. And the last thing he wants for people to hear, the last one he wants them to say, this is what I want you to be about. He says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what I want you to be about. The whole world. It's never just about you. Blessed to be a blessing to all nations. And so as time goes by, we we get caught up in these things and you feel there's a routine and the routine becomes heavy and it's tiring. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. That's one of the verses that that just struck from the very beginning. So important. And as we fight, we realize it's a battle that we're in. So we come back to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians this time. And we realize that those thoughts that roll in, that argue against, that we have a role in what we do. This is part of the transforming of our mind. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought that is not obedient to Christ. There are all kinds of thoughts in my life, in my mind that come up that are not obedient to Christ and I have them. Sometimes I say them, sometimes I act them out. But my goal, my mission is that I would take them captive. And even if I can say there are things that I am nervous about, I have um, nervous anticipation of God meeting our needs. The point is I feel nervous, but I'm not going to behave in a nervous way. I'm going to behave in a trust-filled way. And I will, I will wander and I will become fretting. 
I will gnaw my fingernails and pull out my hair. I will have those moments. But the behavior that I am committed to choosing is that I will follow. When Jesus opens a door for me, I have no choice but to go through. If he opened the door, then he doesn't abandon me as I walk through it. Whatever he started, he plans to bring about to completion. We started talking about the accessibility project, the, 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 the phrase breaking down barriers and opening doors came. This is what we're trying to do. And it quickly, quickly grew to be, this is a way that we describe who we are going to be, not just this action we are going to take. The accessibility project is a small spot on what I believe is the next stage, the development of Into One. The development of us as Christians here that we would learn to now break down barriers and open doors. It's relational. That once we get the building side behind us, what we do is we look forward to how do we participate in that. And so as we stand right now in the place that we stand, we know that that building, that this building is not the church. We call it the church, but we know that we are the church. We are the ones chosen by God. We are the ones who live out this Thing and we bring it to life. Wherever we go, that becomes where the church has been. So God opened the door for us. We go through in obedience. And our prayer is that, God, that you would break down the barriers that are in our way. We see a barrier that's in our way right now. There are finances that we need to have by the end of February. We need them probably by the end of December would be even better. We have a loan that's coming in that will take effect, but there's a, there's a chunk that's left. And it's a barrier, and honestly, it feels kind of a little scary. This is where we pray. God, break down the barrier that's in front of me. We have a mission at the same time, that is to let the world know that Jesus loves them. And so we have a number of opportunities that are available in December that we need some people to do some stuff so that we can make the things happen that will reach out in our church. We have a sign-up sheet at the back. If you got the email this week, then you got an email that had a link in it for a sign-up for some of these different projects. Some of them are more physical. Some of them are, uh, there's, there's cleaning. There's um, making our invitations, tying things together, um, setting up our, our, our stuff, cleaning up the building. There's a whole bunch of these different little jobs. That's a next step for us in December where you can take a step and say, I'm in. I want the message of Jesus. I want the world to know that God loves them and that Jesus died for them. That's our next step for right now. So I want to challenge you to trust that the God who has been faithful our whole life, that God has been repeatedly faithful in the life of our church, that, that we would trust that he would be faithful in our future. And we would trust him with how it impacts me for today right now and how that will impact what goes forward. So pray with me. Kind Father, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. When I recount the story and, I, and every time I seem to re-experience some of that emotion of when you put your hand out and said, today's not gonna be a normal day, it's gonna be a special day, that I, I, I can't, it's years later and I can't, I can't escape what you have done. Thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for your patience with us. 
God, as we look forward, we see, we see a dollar amount, $65,000. It's scary. It seems big. And I know that we have three grants that are in process right now. God, we pray for favor in those as well. That the work has been put into those, that these deciding bodies, God, I pray for favor that you would raise our name to the top, that we would be given honor. <laughs> We're fully willing to admit that you are the one who builds and you are the one that grows. I want to be able to point people to Jesus and tell them another story about what you have done, how you still make a way when it feels like there is no way. But we have a barrier that we see right now and that barrier causes some degree of tension inside. You open the door. Lord Jesus, will you help us with our barrier as well? that we would be committed to breaking down barriers that keep people from Jesus, that we would open doors. And in that, we know that there's going to be some pain for us. We know that there's going to be some risk, but never alone and never the end of the story. You show up and you magnify yourself by the way that you transform our regular circumstances into miraculous ones. Lord Jesus, break down the barrier that we see in front of us. May we join together in actively storming that barrier and saying, not enough to stop us. We've got God on our side. Not enough to stop us. Lord Jesus, break that barrier down. Holy Spirit, work in us because we're going to process fear. We're going to process loss. We're going to process uncomfortableness. We're going to process all those things. Lord Jesus, break that barrier down. Break it down in me. Break it down in us that we would be able to live in a place of trust. That we would be able to declare repeatedly, unceasingly, that the world needs to know that Jesus died for them, that God loves them, and that there is a hope and a future and a way of salvation that doesn't come from just doing whatever it is that you want. Lord Jesus, break that barrier down. In me, in us, and around us. We look forward to declaring your greatness in this area once again. Thank you so much for what you have done in me, for what you continue to do through me, and in the lives of my friends that are here today. In them, through them, and sometimes in spite of me too. Take us forward, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.